Welcome to Verging on Greatness, a podcast about films that verge on greatness, but mostly just wallow in mediocrity, with your hosts, Mike Porkfeld and Craig Saventi. Good evening, Craig. Good evening, Mike. Good evening, listener. Loyal listener. Possible listener. Future possible listener. Very determined listener. (laughs) (laughs) Really stuck in there, haven't they? Good on you, listener. I'm going to call you Sue Standave. This is a this is the first one Craig one of these Craig and I have recorded in a little while. Oh, I should tell you what it is first. Um, so this is a podcast called Verging on Greatness. Verging on Greatness, where Craig and I talk about movies that are just not quite there. They're close to there. They're nearly there. They should be Sometimes good. They, they should be great. Good. Occasionally Sometimes. they might be great. Maybe we're being a little critical, but we try and dig in and understand what it is that's not working about it, and what are, what are some little things that could have been done to fix it to make it right. And this is the first one we've done in a while. We've been on a bit of a hiatus. Um, we had creative differences. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel here. Oh, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, um, John and Yoko, uh, John and Yoko, and the rest of the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've been buying a house. Craig's been getting married. Um, uh, way think, back. I think any... Mike had the harder of the two jobs. I just had to turn up in a suit. <laughs> Mike had to buy a house. None of you need to know. None of you need to know any of this, since we've never even, uh, never Come actually on. released any of these. Um, maybe this will be the one. Maybe. Who knows? This Who will knows? be a. This is our start. So today, today we're talking about Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, obviously, very famous um, franchise. I Book guess franchise? multimedia franchise. Multi, I think multimedia franchise. Yeah, because there's, there's radio series, there's there was a video game. Yeah, uh, um, there's a video game. There's Douglas Adams did uh, Starship uh, Titanic, which yeah. was a Douglas Adams. Thing. Yeah, yeah. So just, just like immensely, uh, immensely challenging, uh, difficult, um, intimidating piece. To try and make into, yeah, and a, into a good, no into a good movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, certainly classic. So, um, so yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about um, how the movie works, what works, what doesn't, and what we would change to make it make it a little bit better, make it yeah, potentially function. potentially yeah. great. Um, so, uh, kick us off, I. I have uh, I've an issue with this movie right from the start. From the the uh, actually not right from the start. The beginning, the opening sequence with the dolphins and the song. The operatic, but I, yeah. I, I dug that. That's that's fine. It's an intro. It's a quirky, odd, unusual intro to yeah, the movie. Yeah, I really like the uh, Frank Sinatra sort of vibe given off by the singing yeah. and the the, and it's the un- Broadway feel. Yeah. And it's unexpected as well. As a as a as a fanboy, you you know what you're going to come into. The, the opening is the is the the famous sequence and so to start it off with something from way later in the series with the dolphins and so long and thanks for all the fish um from the fourth book that's you know that's a uh surprising start it's quirky it's funny i liked it but then it 
yeah, I think it's also fair to say, Mike, you are a massive fan of the books. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. We should get that. We should we should make that clear. So I'm a big fan of I'm a big 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 fan of the books. I've been reading them since I was a kid. Craig so, is re- Craig's a recent convert. I've recently um, read the first book. Yes. Although in a in a in a break from tradition, Craig has actually researched this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Royal listener doesn't need to know that. Yeah, it's Sue a little, Stan Dave is happy in his ignorance. It's a little while. Her, it's a little while since I watched it, so <laughs> it's going to be bizarro world, and Craig's going to be uh, correcting <laughs> me on my mis- misremembrances. Um, uh, so, Mike, so, just to derail Mike again because I love getting him midstream. Um, Mike is such a fan of this book that when we began talking about it, he was able to go to his bookshelf and without any looking pluck it yep. from the upper shelf he knew exactly so where it was he knew exactly where that shit was it's, it's the upper sh- it's the literal and metaphorical top shelf <laughs> of my book collection um yeah so the big be- the beginning just to dive right in the beginning um <clears throat> the, so it starts where it, it has to start with arthur's home getting destroyed arthur lays down in front of the digger all of that it's just it's it's classic hitchhiker's guide um and then Ford takes him away, takes him to the pub, starts playing him with alcohol. They're about to get on a... They're about to hitchhike into another galaxy. Action, action, amazing. And then they pause it for a flashback. Why are you flashbacking? Uh, flashback the, to meeting Trillian. To meeting Trillian. Why yeah. are you doing that in the opening 10 minutes? This yeah. is where you build pace. This yeah. is where you kick things off. Why would you? Why would you just... Just put the handbrake on on the pace right at the start. I can't remember how that it flashback happens. can go anywhere. It yeah. can go at the start. It can go in the middle. Well, you could have even opened with that. I mean, could open why, with why, it. why wouldn't you just open with the the party? Like, you yeah. know, introduce and, Arthur Dent, and then it could literally be the next morning that but, um, Ford Prefect turns up to rescue him from being run over by bulldozers. That's right. It becomes then, it's your it's that's your prologue. But yeah. I mean, uh, but uh, but there and there, I think this is the and this is what this whole conversation is going to be about, right? Is loyalty to source material. I, I think I think before anyone starts writing us death threats because we we've deigned to be critical of um, Douglas Adams, um, this one this movie has faults, but one of those faults is not being respectful to the source material this movie is perhaps to a to an absolute fault respectful to the source material yeah and uh and it's actually it's it's based almost completely although it was made after douglas adams died it's based largely on the script that he wrote so he died in 2001 and he had been working on this script for 15 20 years yeah and the film was famously in development hell for for about as yeah, long yeah very difficult very difficult film to get made i think they, they chose the right time to get get it made like i think like just from a technology standpoint like the, the the special effects were kind of there that you could bring this to the big screen without it looking you know truly terrible yeah um and for a price point that wasn't prohibitive so yeah i think it was about right time for this movie to come yeah. out but i think that i think the yeah the the struggles from so douglas you know douglas adams so so he, he wrote it and it's interesting to note that a lot of the uh a lot of the stuff that is in the film that is not in the book is still vintage Adams. He yeah. created yeah. everything, very much almost him. everything that's in this movie. And very much in his vein too, like um, without jumping ahead. Well, obviously there's spoilers afoot. So if you hate that kind of thing, you know, go and hang around Reddit where you will find no spoilers ever. Um, but 
it's important to note that all the new material brought into this book that wasn't previously brought into either the radio plays or the the 80s film show film series uh, sorry film show um tv series um were apparently according to all parties concerned douglas adams inventions yeah so the the point of view gun um the of his name i forget but the john malkovich character the weird religious cult guy all of that john adams so that's douglas a, adams sorry douglas adams who's john john malkovich john malkovich john adams is john adams is a, beer. a, is, a is that a beer john adams? That sam adams sam, that samuel adams samuel adams yeah, that, we should just call him samuel samuel adams from here on out. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> um yeah so, so yeah so so i've so the, the the film lost me right up right up the front with just that that decision I, yeah put it as a put it as a prologue or put it halfway through but just don't put your flashback in your opening five minutes yeah that was a weird to build choice like, um and you've got that like i like the opening sequence with the dolphin so long and thanks for all the fish i love the musical number <clears> i thought that was great i thought that was um the stephen fry narration was was good um like i mean if you're going to have someone's famous voice do narration be stephen fry why the hell not um i can see you winding up for something here but we'll get to that in a bit but yeah let's, um, let's do that later but i liked all of that and i agree just if you're trying to build pace but from memory the book does that a bit as well where it jumps around in time and it feels like um little skits that are held together by conjoining bits of of um prose and and exposition by the book um, sure so not completely out of character but that kind of thing works well for a book i think yeah. maybe not for a film where you need like a a meets b equals c and that's your first act yeah exactly and I think and it kind of it kind of goes on like that, where it, it, there are just some the 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 basic kind of script structure rules um, guidelines aren't really followed. The first act, first act stretches out, I would say, till about till you first hear of Magrathea, which is about forty minutes in, and that's it's only at that point where you where that the story turns and suddenly, oh, okay, we've got a, we've got a new goal now. Previously, it's been it's it's, it's everyone's been kind of on the run mm. um and and now we now we're stopping and we're going towards something but that's that comes just that's too late of interesting note um the number 42 obviously is a is a huge part of the law and that's the answer to life and everything the number 42 yeah the number 42 in the film is mentioned at the 42 minute mark stop it shut the door oh craig with the 42 minute mark <laughs> <laughs> out comes the number 42 and um i had to be alerted to that by the internet but i double checked it oh man 42 minute mark boom there it is that is, that is that's some attention to fucking detail dope I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, and 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 then it goes on so quick summary of the story um so uh the main characters meet up i don't don't think i need to explain who they all are um they meet up the the aiming to get to Magrathea. Um, uh, they wind up on the planet with the John Malkovich character. Um, Trillian gets captured and taken away in a, in a bizarre yeah, scene. weird scene. The, the, the editing just, just completely falls apart. So at one moment, she's, she's, for those of you who are not watching at home, but there's a moment where 
she decides to take agency or action and get them out of a dicey situation and she does so with an aerosol can and a fake hostage um, and that part is working great until through editing and weird set direction she is ambiguously captured by the Vogon stormtroopers for a lack of a better definition um, and taken away and, and there's literally a little bit of ADR which is like oh she's being captured and it felt to me like there was a much a more elaborate set piece that was meant to happen there that failed or they yeah. couldn't get or they yeah. couldn't record or, or I don't know um, and then she was Zoe, taken away Zoe Deschanel was sick that day and... maybe yeah or that wasn't in her contract I don't know Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Cutesy your way out of this, Zoe. um, And so they, you know, so so then they get some, so the second half of the second act is them trying to get her back. um, And they go to the uh, Vogue's, Vogue's sphere. The Vogue on planet anyway. And so, um, there's there's a rescue mission there, which starts, again, starts to kind of rebuild the pace. And then they, they succeed. Um, and then um, around uh, yeah around sixty five minutes they get they get off Vogue Sphere um, um, and they make their way to Magrathia um, where they are where and, they meet Bill Nye and then, yeah so about about eighty odd minutes they meet they meet Slarty Bartfast yeah which is Bill Nye Bill, Bill Nye's character oh, st- try and stop me from saying that <laughs> um, and so I, essentially I think I, that you know that's the start of the third act where you learn about what Magrathia is all about um, the the custom and, world um, builders yeah and, yeah yeah and you are introduced to the idea that this is a backup the, Earth yeah the backup Earth and you're introduced to the mice. Um, and so, or, or at least their significance is more wild, more widely explained yeah, because yeah. Um, from memory in the book the mice turn up almost at the very end or there's like mice are mentioned and at the very end it's, it's said that all the mice are engineering everything yeah. and this is this is this is their doing whereas in the film version you see them doing stuff throughout yeah the film and yeah that's right they build up to them shots here and there yeah the mice pushing the button to, to to kickstart the heart of gold's improbability drive which mm. is possibly one of the greatest sci-fi inventions of all time oh, and yeah. gets them around the the whole hyperspace or warp drive whatever yeah. you want to call it cliche which is permeated throughout sci-fi um which i think is great um and the whole explanation for it is great. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. But. So the and then so then um, uh, yeah, you get to the ending. Um, ending also, uh, I, th- I think, really fails on some basic levels. Um, Arthur doesn't really have any. Arthur is your main character, and he doesn't really have. He's a, he's a character without agency, and that is his that is his defining kind of, trait. His defining really. trait. That's that's his his heroic flaw, his heroic weakness. Which which and and there are there are ways to make a movie about a character whose flaw is a lack of agency. Oh yeah, um, sure. Um, and still make that still make still make that a satisfying story, but um, yeah, the, the the ending just kind of just kind of withers a little bit. Um, um, he's about the the mice are about to um, extract his brain, and he 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 has a little speech, 
it's it's almost a, like a made for TV kind of thing. He has a little speech about how much he loves Trillian. Yeah, and um, and he gives them some alternatives because ultimately because the, yeah, he gives them the question because they're trying yeah, to get the, they're trying to find the, the, the ultimate find the question. question. They've got the ultimate answer, which yeah. is forty two, um, and but they need the ultimate yeah. question. Yeah, and he gives them some questions, and then uh, comprised largely of song lyrics, if I remember. Yeah. But then, but the 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 in the in his his escape is actually engineered by him just busting the Out of a chair, the, yeah. the thing that is holding him down, <laughs> brute force, brute which force. is which is n- it's not what you would say. It's not anywhere yeah. on Arthur's arc. Or, he learns to use brute very force. Very consistent with the Douglas Adams motif. Like brute force is rarely used as a heroic action. No. It's almost always the the tool of the the villain. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Unless, yeah, you're, unless it's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, in which case, yeah, and the, and and then that's and then that's the ending. So I think, yeah, on a, yeah on a structural structural kind of point of view, it just it just it doesn't hit those marks that it needs to hit. The turning points turning points come too early or too late, um, and I mean, um, if you're going by your three act structure, right? So I mean, which all film is yeah. pretty much. Unless you're weird art house French films, um, but yeah, it fails that. You're right. It doesn't. It doesn't hit those marks. It doesn't. At the end of Act Two, they're not really at their lowest point. They're really just kind of kicking off their next mm. story, and it, it's kind of a weird structure. And there's a there's a scene where um, Trillian is pointlessly in the shower. Yes, um, yes, um, yes. And she's so having you're... a she's having a shower conversation with a guy that. Um, for those of you who haven't seen it, um, Trillian is set up not so much in the book, which I was a little bit surprised by. In the book, she is not really a love interest for Arthur Dent, certainly no. not in the first book. She is clearly um, a love interest for uh, people, Zaphod, yeah. um, but not for Arthur, although it is strongly implied that that is yeah. where that wants to go. Yeah. Um, in the film, they are out and out love triangle the yeah. shit um we need a love triangle it needs to be zaphod played brilliantly by sam rockwell um and um and so, and she's zoe deschanel who was very much it girl in 2005 yeah, um, yeah she was everywhere if I recall. That's, that was like 500 days of summer period and I'm, yeah uh, she was just i remember her being everywhere she's nowhere now yeah. I think they've just cancelled um, It Girl. So, um, but yeah, so they set that up, and so it's it's kind of weird too. Like she she's into him, but she's not. She's she's kind of into Zaphod because he's like a he's a spaceman with a spaceship. Hey, yeah. baby, come and check out my spaceship. Yeah. Um, and um, Arthur is too stuck in the mud and too dowdy. Like I don't see what she would find appealing about him in the first place. Um, and then, but he, there's this weird shower scene where. It's pretty sedate. Um, there's oh yeah, there's no like side boob or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing like Disappointing. that. Disappointing. Yeah, it's lingering, lingering butt shot in the shower. But um, <laughs> um, but she. It's not that kind of movie. Yeah, but he comes into her in the in the shower, and and she he tries to leave, and she's like, no, 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 it's fine. Not that he can see anything. It's the weirdest shower ever because it's like it just conveniently covers her is, midsection. Is it like a correct my memory isn't it like a like a saloon door a little bit like a saloon door shower? and it, it slides in and out and um the shower itself i actually kind of want it looks like a, a rainforest sort of a shower it's like this um uh, yeah and yeah. it sort of drips on her and that's, and that's pretty cool yeah it was pretty cool um and 
But she allows him to stay, and he gives her her his towel that he's been carrying around since the beginning of the film. Uh, so yeah. she went to have a shower, and there was no towel. That, and was... That's yeah. Oh, actually, you know what? I'll I'll give them that. Mm. That's because towels are towels are the, the thing. most important thing. Towels are yeah. the thing. And yeah. So all right, all right. That's. But it's still just, a weird... Just justified for her to be in the shower. Just. Like, just. Yeah, he has what she needs, which is a towel. And yeah. Like, okay, cool. Uh, he's still in a bathroom. He could have given her a robe. <laughs> <laughs> then he'd be naked. No, no, no. He's got full-on two t-shirts oh, he's on. Got, that's right. He's got his PJs on. He's got his PJs on. He's got at least two t-shirts on. Um, and he's got this bathrobe on. And he's yeah. got slippers on. So, I think... Yeah, I don't know. But, um, interesting interesting side note Arthur does get laid um, later on in the book spoiler alert what? Um, yeah an Englishman with, gets some? yeah not with get not, out of here not with, not with Trillian he is meets, his name Daniel Craig? he meets he meets some other bird no and, way um, they fall there they fall in love no ah. he, he he gets his he gets his leg over but not so Trillian in the in the in the, in the books is not a, a love interest or an ultimate love interest for him no wow the movie definitely does not see it that way. Mm. Trillian is the end game. The two last humans alive yeah. are Arthur Dent and Trillian. He's going to get some. Um, you mentioned Sam Rockwell, and oh. I can't talk any more <laughs> about this movie without gushing about Sam Rockwell. About how fucking awesome Sam Rockwell is. <laughs> he is so good in this. I, lo- I love Sam love, Rockwell. I love that guy, and he he connects this movie to to another movie, which is my my favorite movie. Um, just my favorite movie. It happens to be in similar genre to this. It's Galaxy Quest. Oh yeah, Sam Rockwell and Galaxy um, Quest. Man, we're we're just gonna have to do this on Galaxy Quest, knowing that it is definitely a. Oh fucking fantastic film um and it, it's timely because the director of that's doing the new bill and ted film uh, oh shit um, really i think his name's like patriot or Par- paro or okay um i forget his name right now but uh he did that and i, I was on board the moment i saw his name i was like right. oh right he did galaxy quest 100 percent there opening night um yeah. but yeah sam rockwell is fantastic yeah yeah he, I watched the um, the making of documentary included on the DVD, the English DVD apparently, not the American DVD. Mm. Um, and uh, Sam Rockwell um, says that the Zaypod character is a mashup of Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, and Elvis. And when you watch the performance, it's one hundred percent those things. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> but it's it is just of all the like. Um, um, Martin Freeman as Arthur, he just is Arthur. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He like, was born to play that part. Born to play that. Born to play the part, and he's great. Yeah, I, like, but but uh, I, don't, I don't think Arthur presents the same kind of challenge that um, any other any of the other characters in the in the movie present, particularly Zaphod Beeblebrox, because he has to be. You have to be able to be a complete asshole and still be likable. Yeah. And still create a, a sense that people would like you, even though you've got to be so obvious that you are an unbearable twat. <laughs> um, but still but still do that in a way that makes it believable that people would adore you. I think I think he nails and he, it. And he nails it, but it just... It's, he nails it like an earth 
um, ending level event. Yeah, um, he, he's a meteor from space that wipes out dinosaurs. He makes it look. He makes it look so easy. Have you like, seen three billboards outside? Yes. Oh, I watched that and I, I I thought that was an amazing film. I, I don't think it won enough awards, mm. um, but Sam Rockwell in that, um, I I I was practically cheering in the aisles yeah. and uh, I just he want got, him he got supporting actor he got best supporting actor he, um, and he thoroughly deserved um, I think there was somebody else up for best supporting did, actor that I really really wanted to win as well but I just yes yeah, Sam Rockwell and Frances McDormand best actress oh I can't remember now yeah maybe I think she did yeah maybe she deserved it she was fantastic oh, in it as well but. yeah incredible um, yeah so yes casting Sam Rockwell. While we're on casting, so Sam Rockwell, Martin Freeman, yes, yes. Yes, yes. Most deaf, Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> Most deaf, uh, Zoe Deschanel. Uh, I think, yeah, Most deaf, like I like Most deaf. He was really good in, I think it's 12 blocks or 16 blocks with, um, it's directed by Richard Donner um, of Lethal Weapon Superman fame. And um, it'll, it stars... Um, Bruce Willis in a slightly against type character where he's not quite John McClane. He's mm. a cop, but he's not John McClane. Um, and he, they have to get... Have you seen it? No. So John McClane has to get Moss Death 12 blocks or whatever it is to the police station. I can't remember what it is, but everyone's trying to kill Moss Death because he um, is a witness to something. And he's really good. He plays a, he plays a slightly slow guy who, who just okay. wants to open a bakery. And um, and Bruce Willis plays an alcoholic cop. Basically, yeah. every character he's ever played. Yeah. And um, he's really good in that. Like, he is very good. Um, the movie is a bit mm. ho-hum, um, but he's really good. He's good in he's other a, things. He's a good actor. He's a good actor. And he's a fantastic rapper. Like, he's just amazing. Um, but, yeah, I, I feel in this role, he was miscast. Mm. Uh, I, I like parts of what he does. Like, that, um, the conversation he has with the... <laughs> the big pair of feet um, <laughs> on John Malkovich's planet. Yeah. Like, that is that is genius. Or he goes into the bar, I think I've been here before, and people he goes inside and, and, and people call out his name. He's like, I've been here before. And mm. like all of that was really good. I really enjoyed that. But for the most part, I did not enjoy... I think... I don't think he was right for this part. And I, I, um, I think I've said this before, but I look... It's 2005, so the, they're probably making the movie... in in 2004 yeah um and um, i'm thinking like who else was operating at that time um who could round out what is ultimately a very white cast um and give them uh, give it give it some more you know just even out the side a little bit i just think i wonder wonder how this would have gone with like a oh dare i say it an eddie murphy or or a chris rock or or a cedric the entertainer or or anything else or I know they wanted an American name in there. I know that, uh, and I know that Arthur, um, sorry, uh, Douglas Adams, um, he was okay with that casting as an American, but I just kind of feel like he was the wrong person in that role. Mm. And I, I wonder, I would like to know what he feels about that now. But yeah. Um, yeah, I really think that was a miscast role. I think it was a missed opportunity. And so you're just, looking for, you're just looking for a bit more comedy kind of chops? Yeah, like I don't know... If he was particularly, if he was in anything particularly comedy based before this, but like, if you're gonna, you're making a movie that's, uh, would you call it a satire? I'd call it a satire. It's a satire, right? 
Satire of what? Uh, the movie, the whole film. Yeah, like, but yeah, I don't satire know. has to be a satire of something. I don't, I don't know. know. Like, would you call Douglas Adams would it satirical? Uh, not really. I think you've you've kind of got to be poking fun at right. Like, There's certainly kind of, elements of like poking it's irreverent, fun. irreverent. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps that's a better way to describe it. I just like why wouldn't you get someone that was had more comedy chops? Mm. Like it's a funny character, and there's 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 a couple of moments. He's a, I mean, he's a he is a sidekick, right? You just call him what he is. Ford is Ford is a sidekick, side, sidekick yeah. to Arthur. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame, but I don't know. It's just it felt like there were some genuinely funny moments with that character, like when they're about to be flushed out the airlock in the Borgon ship, and he's he's like playing around with the thing on the wall, and oh, oh this is nothing. And I think that was like one of the best laughs mm. in the show was um, they're looking at the door behind them, which is they're anticipating opening and then it drops them out instead of flushes them out the door. That was funny. Yeah. But I think, I think Moss Death and Zoe Deschanel, um, they needed to be recast. I think, yeah. I think if, if it were up to me, what, they would, what, would you, what were you looking for for Trillian? Oh gosh. Um, uh, what's her name from Parks and Rec could be good. I think you suggested this earlier. Um, um uh, uh, Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey, yeah, yeah. She probably this is two thousand and five. I, I don't know how old Aubrey Plaza is, but she might have been a bit young then. It's yeah. I I think I, I just I wanted someone that I could imagine sitting awkwardly at a party. Yeah, kind of just not being sure who to talk to or what yeah. to do. Which is which is not. I know I know Zoe Deschanel. You know, there's there's a certain there's a quirky kind of thing. Well, she is the but, she is the original. Um, manic pixie dream girl wasn't she mm. like she's she's 500 days of summer like like that's that whole that's her to a t isn't it yeah she does that quirky thing yeah 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 I, uh, I, yeah i just wanted something just just some just someone to be a little bit yeah a little bit darker and just not quite not quite so perky all the time yeah 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 because yeah. she, she's supposed to have um Depth? Can I say? Can I say depth? Is, yeah. that, is that harsh? I felt. I felt. I felt that her performance was a little one-dimensional. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Except for the part where um, she's trying to rescue Arthur Dent, where she's um, Arthur Dent's disappeared, and they've they've they're on Magrathia, and they've picked up the the point of view gun, which is I thought one of the yeah one of the brighter points of the third act. Yeah. Um, and she's trying to, and so. Zaphod accidentally shoots, shoots himself her, or he yeah. shoots forward and then she keeps blasting him um so he she gets he gets her point yeah. of view about yeah. how she might have messed up the one good thing she had like i thought that as a performance that was a really good performance i thought that was a fine piece of acting and um but yeah beyond that I, she at no point did she seem Dare I say it funny? Like certainly not to me. Maybe somebody else. I don't know. But... Yeah, Trish is not. Trillian's not very funny though. In the book, I thought. Well, I'll give the movie credit for one thing. They certainly expanded that character because in yeah. the book she's very auxiliary in the yeah, first one at yeah, least. She's yeah, just cool. there. Yeah. Um, she's not doing anything, and I'm sure right now there's someone busily smashing away on their keyboard explaining how on page whatever she does yeah. something and it's very important but for the most part she's certainly a 
background yep. character. We've been talking about we've been talking a lot about casting, um, which we don't normally do because casting is a casting is a, a, a we, fine a art, a weird sort of a yeah. weird sort of art. But I I have to do one more. Um, well, we Ste- alluded to this earlier. Stephen Fry. Stephen Fry. As, as the guide, I'm, I'm going to say it, controversial, doesn't work. He is... On, <laughs> Wait, on, so do you not like the guide interludes or do you not like Stephen Fry? I, don't, I, I, think, it's, I think it's Stephen Fry and it's... He, on paper, naturally, num, number one, who, who voices the guide? And naturally, number one, you think there's something quintessentially English about the guide, something quintessentially English about Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy... The, the the franchise the um and and, and you, you the whole so institution really on, yeah yeah on on paper and I think he was I think he was even friends with Douglas Adams they're similar in lots of ways the um, yeah yeah um so and, and I think he was a he was a, a, big, a big choice of a popular choice of, of Douglas Adams's to play the guide right but he, he I think I think the story from the research I read was he was Douglas Adams first pick. Hmm. And they went around and they had a look at a whole lot of other people before they kindly came back to Stephen Fry. Mm. And then they were like, oh, Stephen Fry is the obvious choice. And so the, the, the problem I have, which is, is, the, is, is with how he fits with what the guide is supposed to be about. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, it's supposed to be for hitchhikers. It's supposed to be a little bit rough around the edges. It's uh. a little bit, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a little bit grubby. Um, it's a little bit um, corrupt. It's just a little bit. It's a little bit crap. Well, they they, they, they allude to that Steve, in the opening yeah. in the opening scenes. They yeah. go on about how it's better selling than the Encyclopedia Galactica. Yeah, um, maybe because it was cheaper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but but you have Stephen Fry doing the voice, and he's so clipped and proper, and and the the, the guide sequences just just stop dead and i i just i wonder if you'd be better having a a vinnie jones or a <laughs> do, you, do you know what i mean just a little bit of oh and and you, oh and there was this there was this, this geezer do, there was eaten by a dog that was the size of a planet in it like <laughs> ricky gervais you know um yeah, we're, someone who ricky just, gervais was around in 2005 yeah, yeah. so s- someone who would bring that bring that sense of something just being done in a little bit of a half-assed way but but oh, hit, i see where you're going hit, with this. Oh, hitting oh. on hitting on the idea that was just popular enough and it getting it getting out of control and yeah. but still having to like have trump yeah but still <laughs> having to use this use this half-assed voice that you that you started out with you know yeah and, yeah, yeah, yeah and be and being stuck with that but that also being part of the charm we instead you instead Stephen Fry he's, he's so clipped and clipped and yeah, proper. It's, it's and like staying in a cheap pronounced. hotel. Like the fle- the fleas and the bed bugs are all part of it, right? It's, yeah, yeah, it's it's part if of it. If you like that, the, sure. And that's what the, that's what the guide is. That's what the guide is supposed to be about. And this again is something that comes back to something that happens later in the books, where um, the guide gets taken over by a corporation. Oh. And it starts getting run as a you know as a, a slick media production. Right. And there you can imagine it becoming kind of more American and more um, glossy and more and glossy. Yeah, chrome and yeah. The, yeah, polished I, steel. Yeah, I it's 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 for hitchhikers. It's supposed to be a little it's bit a little rough, bit cheap and, and rough. A little yeah. bit a little bit cheap. A little and bit I, and I think 
and it's just and it's and it's also the also that thing where um maybe just also made me think about mike myers voicing shrek and just how he just needed to he needed to do that scottish yeah yeah accent yeah. just to just to give it a bit of edge just to make it a little bit bring a bit of um you know they got halfway through the filming of that yeah yeah and then, yeah, and then they had to re- redo like, a bunch of the animation yeah there's, there's something like that where i think but then but there and here again you know um deference to source material deference to the wishes of a man um who so many people including myself love um and, and if that was his wish you know for stephen fry it's it's a difficult call to to listen to that listen to stephen fry doing that and going oh man this is just it's stopping the movie dead right um these sequences how can we do that how can we do these differently but it's hard to make that call yeah i am um, i i didn't read the books uh, i used audible.com mm. and an unpaid promotion oh to, steady on to um steady on craig to by the audiobook, which is narrated by Stephen Fry. So I like Stephen Fry, I guess. And this is coming from the anti-English sentiment in the room, as my accent sometimes beguiles or yeah. belies. But um, yeah, no, I certainly see where you're coming from there. The, and the the Hitchhiker Guide to the Galaxy animated segments of the film and that whole art style, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, 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 I really like that. I dug that too. Yeah, yeah, I thought that were, those were nice. It was a great way to have like exposition, um, and there were a couple other little touches in the film as well. Uh, oh, and you can't you can't talk about casting and Stephen Fry and leave out Alan Rickman. Oh, uh, as Marvin, man. the depressed android. Marvin, we almost <laughs> forgot Marvin. Marvin, I don't know how you so can. yeah, yeah. And, so and, essential and, um, to is the... it Anna Chancellor? She's the the vice president character who clearly has a massive crush on Zaphod and oh, yeah, she's yeah, yeah. terrassing around the galaxy yeah. trying to rescue Zaphod and, and get some Zaphod action. Yeah. Um, yeah, gosh. Marvin. So Marvin, the depressed android. I I don't know what to say about Marvin. It's just, <laughs> just he does he does everything I wanted him to do. I loved and I loved Marvin. Warwick Davies is wearing the costume right. obviously. Yeah. Right. From Willow and Star Wars fame. So. Yeah, I yeah, I thought I, I thought Marvin was. I mean, I've, hey, we've 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 gone what 35, 37 minutes. Th- thirty seven thirty seven minutes into a podcast with about Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and without not talking about Marvin. That means they've done a pretty good job with Marvin. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think I think um, I think that of, of the whole design choice around that the robot, the costume, um, casting. What's his name now? Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman as Marvin. Like, all of that was pretty spot on, I would have thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I watched it. It was very very safe casting. Um, I watched it two nights ago with my, my now wife. And um, one of the things that, after it finished, one of the things that she talked about was Alan Rickman and Marvin. Mm. So she thought she loved those things. Yeah. And I find it hard to disagree with her there. Yeah yeah um a couple of other things a couple of other things to touch on um just some of the some of the stylistic decisions that have that have been made that i um some that i liked some that i didn't like there's some some creative approaches to um 
to style there is some with particularly with the improbability drive there's that scene where they turn them all into, the, oh, all into thread into, into wool. Of, yeah, wool yeah yeah, yeah like they're crocheted people love it i love it it's yeah so yeah, nice. yeah. So, I, I wanted more of that and and something yeah. that my, my my wife amy um kept bringing up is um she kept bringing up that movie your highness have you seen that one it's no. the it's it's got danny mcbride and it's kind of like a a spoof piss take on lord of the rings sort of things it's got um uh she was in star wars the professional um uh, very famous actress natalie portman natalie portman thank you um it's got, she's in it um and it's got it's got this um piss take tone it, it's great she kept talking about um hitchhikers being more like that which i think i don't really i think that beguiles the source material and that that mm. that's not what the source material is it's not spoof it's it's no. something else it's um it's a it's a bit satire it's a bit um well not satire it's a bit uh, uh out of left field it's, yeah yeah um the whole, I mean, the whole, the part about the Vogons, for example. Yeah. The, um, and, and kind of representing that bureaucracy. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the lack of original idea. Yeah and, yeah. and just focus on the, focus on the, um, you know, the process and the forms. And yeah, the, yeah, and yeah. The red tape. They live the on red, Yeah, the, the red tape. And you, you said you shared and you've discovered an interesting thing about oh yeah so watching the making of um one of the things that, that comes out it comes out at least twice in the making of um and at least once in the promotional video they made um it talks about the the scene where they they first set foot on vogue sphere and they get they come out of the the little pod and they get slapped in the face with the creature every yeah. time they have an idea they get slapped in the face and the idea is, is that the Vogons are, the reason their faces are all pushed up and flat and their noses are all so high in the air is they've literally, these things have literally slapped all original thought out of their heads. Um, and so that's how they've evolved mm. and they've, they've had all thought slapped out of their heads. Mm. And that's a great idea. That's mm. very funny. Like that's, yeah. that's hilarious. No point, at no point in the film is that expanded upon or even really hinted at that that's what the original thought is and that's why the Vogons don't have any. Now, there may be some people out there who picked that up in the viewing, but I watched it, I've watched it a couple of times, I've read the book, none of that features in the book, but um, at no point did I get any of that. Um, and I think this is where where the movie starts to fall apart in general, is that there's some great scenes and there's some great sequences and overall the book is wildly um reverential to mm. um source material but it and it's got some new ideas that were clearly introduced or allegedly introduced by douglas adams himself and approved yeah. by douglas adams but what this film really lacks is a narrative cohesiveness that um that the book maybe doesn't suffer so much from because the book well, you just don't need it so much in a book do you, you? Just, yeah because it, it is just funny reading it you yeah. can just read a couple of pages and it is like those pages are typically quite well written and they're yeah. very funny um, they're quite engaging. The writing style is simple and easy to get into. Um, but the film, on the other hand, it lacks that, that connective tissue. Like, and they're, they're setting mm. the Vogons up as your, as your, as your big bad, um, and like they're the people that the the protagonists are fleeing from the entire film. Yeah. Um, they're always one step behind them, which I understand they do in like one of the 
radio shows. There's like several different series of the radio show. I understand that's right. an idea that's not unique to the film. Um, but yeah, like that idea is a great idea and they don't, they, they fail to capitalize on it. Yeah. And that's really the film to a T if you ask me. And that whole Vogue sphere thing is interesting to me. He says tapping the table with his finger. Um, because that was very the whole the whole sequence with them standing in line like this is what the British do we stand in line, um, that was very that felt very much like Brazil, the, the film mm, Brazil, yeah, um, which is fantastic. Um, yeah, and I just watching this just made me feel like this film would have been better served in the hands of Terry Gilliam as mm. opposed to in the hands of Hammer and Tongs, yeah. um, who this was their first feature film. Um, I forget his name. It's Garth Evans or... Uh, Garth Jennings. Garth Jennings and his producing partner, whose name I also forget. They're English and they did every music video of note in England between like the late 1990s and early 2010. Um, I kind of feel like in the hands of someone with more... I don't, I don't want to speak ill of people I don't know, but with more quirky, creative um, sensibilities like Terry Gilliam, this film would have been wildly better well maybe or, or, or is it the opposite is it is it just is it there is it lacking the the story sensibility just maybe the, um and and kind of the and the the grapes the cojones to say look this this is you know this is rev- this is source material that we're treating with reverence but mm. at the same time it's not working as a movie on the scale of um like on the scale of conversion and any conversion is difficult and you've got to get the right balance but you look at something like Lord of the Rings which I think you've got to accept as the gold standard yeah like you want to aspire to Lord of the Rings yeah, and I think at the other end of that adaptation at the other end of that you almost want to look at The Hobbit and go like that's as bad as it can get <sighs> yeah I mean wild a big call there but I don't know how you turn The Hobbit, which you can read in six hours, into film that's into three films that is longer than the book that it comes from. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, I'll agree no, with you. It's, uh, yeah, it's a bold call, but I'm going to make it. Yeah, yeah. So at one end you've got Lord of the Rings, and at the other end you've got The Hobbit, um, and of how to do a conversion mm. to film, and what's um, Peter Jackson and crew did with the Lord of the Rings, you're right. It pays the right amount of respect to the source material. It keeps what's necessary to the story and it cuts out everything it doesn't need. Mm. Um, and what The Hobbit does is it pays immense reverence to the source material, mm. treats it like holy scripture and, and drags every single sentence onto mm. the screen. So now there's, there's one line in here which I, I noted down at the time because there was something about it that I thought really represented the, the how you, you take Arthur's character as he is written in prose and you just you define him in dialogue. He has this line um, when he early on in the film when he learns that that um, um, Ford is from um, Beetlejuice. And right. he says he says you're you're not from Guildford, which would explain the accent, which I've always wondered about. Right. <laughs> and, and not, a, I mean, um, Martin Freeman delivers it really, really well. But the, the what I love, what I love about it is that the you can you get the sense that here is a guy who has been friends with another guy for 
a number of years. For a, a number of years. In the Pers- book, it's something like 15 Pers- years or Pers- 10 says, years. Who says he's from a place, but he talks as if he is from a completely different place. And Arthur never asks. It never, never seems to ask. You yet. talk from a place that <laughs> sounds like you're from a completely different place. I asked you. <laughs> you don't sound very Kiwi, Craig. <laughs> yet you say you're from New Zealand or worse, Australia. Yeah, and, that's true. And that's Arthur, right? Yeah. He he wouldn't ask. He just because he doesn't take he doesn't take agency he doesn't he doesn't take that step yeah things say, happen too so i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna ask you about that as if i'm confronting you about it yeah, yeah he yeah. has never he's never done that with um with ford yeah and it's 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 a it's an it's a, a an expression and dialogue of what you need to know about arthur and it's it's just it just gives you a little taste that this this of of what this the film needs to do Mm. To, to to take from the page and turn into dialogue what you need to know about the characters that are just it, it doesn't quite get with any with any of the other characters in any in quite the right way mm. um so what do you think craig um ultimately what's our call is this is this virgining on greatness or is this wallowing in mediocrity well Although I did quite enjoy the book, and Sam Rockwell is amazing in this film, I would have to say it's wallowing, wallowing in mediocrity. It's, it's admirable. It's I've, a fair effort. I respect it. Um, if I was the people who made it, I would be proud. I would of it. be proud. Yeah, I'd and agree. I would hold my head up, and I would, and I would. It I would didn't say, suck. It did. It didn't. Thank you. <laughs> yes, it didn't suck. It gets but, a, but maybe a, maybe that's because like this is this is where I start to get really frustrated with these kind of films is that it didn't suck because the source material it's based on is good. It's pretty hard to mess up. It's pretty hard to mess up Romeo and Juliet. It's pretty hard to mess up Shakespeare. Yeah. The source, well, some Shakespeare. The source material supports it. It's good. It's good material. Yeah. And you have to go pretty freaking deep and try pretty hard or be pretty inept to fuck it up. And with this, with this script or, or the Douglas Adams script, apparently he wrote the first draft. Yeah. They worked really hard to work from that first draft. And I, I almost feel like this is a backlash to films that were being made in the in the early two thousands, um, other films being made in the early two thousands. This two thousand five stuff that had been made in the nineties, um, where they've got a title for something. And I, I can't think of an example off the top of my head. Where they've, they've literally gotten a title or, or license to something. They've gone, okay, we're going to make this, and we're going to cast Freddie Prince Jr. in it, and yeah. it's going to be great. And we've got. Um, Collective Soul, they're doing the song yeah. that's going to be the big hook at the end, the big Sarah, sexy hook. At, Sarah Michelle Geller. Yeah, Sarah Michelle Geller's in this. They're married. They're amazing. Off. This is going to be cool. And it's got synergy and all mm. these other words. We don't really know what they mean. And they didn't do that. They, mm. they did the opposite of that. And this is an early Buena Vista, or not early Buena Vista. This is a Buena Vista picture, a touchstone picture, which is part of the Disney crowd. And um, we were talking about this earlier, and I, I said that this is clearly a response from um lord of the rings with the success from lord mm. of the rings which 
by two thousand, they were like two thousand, two thousand and one, two thousand and two, or they came out yeah. every Christmas, didn't they? Yeah, they did it here. I think maybe two, one, two, and th- one, two thousand one, two thousand two, two thousand three. So this would have been two years after Lord of the Rings finished, um, and so it felt to me like, and it it was definitely everything was about the franchise, and like everyone knew that you wanted a franchise film, yeah. and this felt to me like another attempt. It was when when did the Harry Potter films start coming out? They started coming out about this time. They yeah. must have been coming out about this yeah, time. Must so it was about all about that franchise, four, right? Yeah. So Warner Brothers had Harry Potter. Um, New Line Cinema um, had Rings. Lord of the Rings. Um, and I don't know what else was big. Oh, the Star Wars films. The Star Wars films would have been coming out about then as well. Um, the, the Attack of the Clones. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, prequels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all the prequel films would have been coming out. So this was clearly, to me, this feels like an attempt to turn a franchise out for disney this feels like a disney a family-friendly disney film um that they were trying to they were hoping to turn into a big ass franchise mm. and I, I bet you if you go back and and if you could be a fly on the wall that they what was being said was there's five of these books right yeah um, and we can we can turn five films out of this or we can get enough material out of five books and I think there's been one written since that isn't a Douglas Adams book, but it's set in the universe, right? Uh, yeah, it's um Owen Colfer. Um, I think it's it's it, like it's stuff that was stuff they found on his, on his on hard his, drive on his hard drive and Colfer kind yeah, he of massaged massaged it into, it into a, a story like an kind of an unofficial six right, right. So there's six of these books and yeah. and, and a video game which is Starship Titanic. Um, so I feel like they felt like they had, they had struck gold here because I think they spent about fifty million dollars on this picture. Yeah, there's a bunch. There's a bunch more they could have done with it. Yeah, and I feel like this was an attempt to turn out a franchise film. And this is this is something that like, this is my personal pet theory. This is a prototype Marvel film mm. because um, two thousand and eight is when Iron Man comes out. Yeah. And, um, to be fair, Marvel doesn't. Sorry, Disney doesn't get into the Marvel game until about three or four years after that point. And I'm not sure if they had any money in the game. I think, I think the original Iron Man film was a, um, a paramount picture, but yeah, this feels like their attempt to make a franchise kind of tests that, that sci-fi comedy. Yeah. 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 Kind of, it really kind of does. Yeah. When did Gal- when was Galaxy Quest? That must have been like two thousand three. Yeah, something around I that guess. time. Google that shit. Um, Galaxy Quest would have been about two thousand three, which just reminds me again we should do a Galaxy Quest. I, I did I did uh, Spaceballs is the other movie that <laughs> kind of. Oh, Galaxy Quest was actually prepare to have your mind blown. Nineteen ninety nine. Oh shit! Get the hell out. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I, th- I think there is a kind of yeah, there is a sci-fi comedy um, element there that is being tested out um, with a view to some of the comic book. You watch something like Thor Ragnarok. Now, yeah, or the Guardians think, of the Galaxy. Ga- yeah, yeah, either, yeah, yeah. Either of the Guardians of the Galaxies. Um, yeah, sci-fi action comedy, comedy adventure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Which this ticks all of those boxes. Yeah, sci-fi. There's a little bit. There's not. There's not really any action to speak of. You've got the Fogon stormtroopers who turn up in the no. And those no, wonderful guess, creature no. effects by Jim Henson, like the physical. Amy didn't like the practical effects. 
which I thought was bizarre. Um, yeah, I thought the, the, the creature effects were great. Like, yeah. there's that there's that first shot of the Vogon speaking, and it's clearly a man in a suit, but it's a fantastic man in a suit. Yeah. And that was the, the whole way that mouth was moving, that was fantastic. The Vogons looked great. Um, there's some really, like, watching it now, uh, nothing dates a movie like CG. Um, like the computer graphic stuff, and there's some CG in here where they're when Zaphod's got the the, the bad head comes up mm. under his chin. Like some of that mm. just looks real amateur hour by today's standards. Um, but yeah, she really dislike that. But yeah, this really feels to me like they were testing the ground. Like yeah. this, this was an attempt to to, to kickstart a franchise yeah, that yeah. didn't that didn't take. And it's kind of funny that they would come back and like. It's family friendly. It's quippy in places. It's quippy. Um, it's a little off the wall, and they kind of nail it ten yeah. years later with like the Marvel films, like yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy is is what um, the bastard child of mm. of uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy yeah. would would grow up to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I get it's, that. It's a punk rock version yeah. of yeah. Yeah, and ironically, it was well. Well, it's not punk rock. It's the really slick, professional yeah. styled studio sound that would be someone like Chicago versus yeah, punk yeah. rock. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, things you th- so things you things we've hit on that you would change. Number one, get your get your script, tighten up your script, hit your marks. Um, yeah, so I think it, the script would be tighted, it, tighted, tightened up. I think yeah. it's a short, short-ish film anyway. I think yeah. it's well under two hours. Um, it's very cinema, cinemaplex friendly. Yeah, uh, but like it just it misses the it just misses the misses all the beats that it, that it needs yeah. to make at the time. I would lose one of those sequences. I'd lose yeah. either the um, the trillion getting kidnapped, but or I would lose the the ultimately redundant subplot with john malkovich where they where he sends them to get the gun like that's the ultimate outcome that's, of that that's right because yeah. he steals the head he steals the second head and puts and it on a little dancing doll and and that's never thought of again he literally yeah. has the head on display on a on a hula dancing girl yeah um and it's, it's talking shit on the corner there like i'll get rid of one of those sequences tighten that up and i would definitely i would i would take says he who's never made a film but um, I would I would seriously think about restructuring the beginning section of the film and putting that whole party sequence with uh, yeah. Zoe move, Deschanel and yeah. move the party anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. But move not it to a the flashback. end. Make it make it an epilogue. Make yeah. it a, move it anywhere. Um, but just don't do it in your first five minutes. Because you could do that. You could do that later. Like get rid of get rid of that that flashback. Right, and then so and then have um, Arthur meet Trillian. Um, and then have that conversation. And so as an audience person coming in and seeing that for the first time, you're like, oh, these two know each other. That's weird. And then you could have that whole bit with like the, the, the odds of them escaping or meeting were like mm. 2 billion, you know, 767 million, 234 to one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like you could still have all of that. Um, but then you could actually move that flashback a little bit. I feel like that's something a, a more yeah. slick director like Steven Soderbergh would yeah, have done. Yeah. Like, um, he would have done that. But. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, number two, casting. Uh, yeah. I just, I just think there were. I like both of those actors individually. I, I, I don't, I think, I think my, oh. I think my like of um, Zoe Deschanel is, is far more primal than anything else. She is, she is a very compelling person to yeah. watch. 
And, and Moss Depp, again, very compelling person to watch. I just don't think they are right in those parts. On, on paper? Yeah. All of the casting works. Yeah, on paper. In practice, I'm not sure it does. Um, the Sam, Sam Rockwell should be in everything ever. Hey, yeah. Yeah. Um, Martin Freeman should be in everything. Is great. He actually is in everything ever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't turn the TV on without seeing him in something. Yeah. Um, but no, all of that, the voice stuff is all great. And Bill Bailey is the whale. Like, that's perfect. Um, <laughs> oh, speaking of Bill's... Freaking Bill Nye. Bill Nye is as great. As slutty Bartfast is possibly the That's, best. Yeah. Possibly the best casting. casting. Yeah, he is fantastic. He nails and, it. Um, and um, Helen Mirren as uh, Deep Thought. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a spin yeah. on Deep Throat, which I love. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like Helen Mirren is great as the as the yeah. slightly lazy uh, computer. Like everything else is great. Um, but again, some of those, and, and the production design is great. It looks great. Um, it feels like a movie. It, it Some of the stuff inside the Heart of Gold feels a bit television set, um, but that's fine. And, and yeah, again, with, as with Galaxy Quest, there's a, uh, but, a kitschness. Yeah, but to be fair, to in it. Galaxy Quest, the kitschness was intentional because it's based on a tv show oh, yeah. yeah it's meant to be a tv show yeah, yeah, yeah um like that's great i think i think we should definitely do galaxy quest next because i freaking love that film and any excuse to watch but it is good but we can't do it because it's perfect i don't care <laughs> <laughs> i just want to talk about galaxy quest i just want to talk about galaxy quest. Be, i want to talk be, about grabthar's hammer it's um, not gonna be interesting we're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna release that because it's just gonna be you and i gushing gushing about about galaxy oh my god it's so great i love galaxy <laughs> could you make a rudimentary lathe or something <laughs> get out of here <laughs> um, all right we're talking it's happening already it's happening already we need to stop it before right. we talk about more. Uh, i think i think if they tighten up the, if I, if they've gotten rid of some of those sequences if they changed the casting up if you had taken a live wire like eddie murphy on cocaine in the late 90s and put him in the in the the Ford Prefect role. That would have been fantastic. Mm. Eddie Murphy does wide-eyed exclaim fantastically. Um, I just or even you know Chris Rock doesn't work because Chris Rock is being at his best when he's being when he's pointing out how fucked up the yeah. world is. Um, and but yeah, Eddie Murphy has that sensibility to do that. I think Eddie Murphy would have been just like just think about Eddie Murphy in coming to America. Yeah. Now think of him as Ford Prefect. Yeah. And like that's perfect. I think that would be perfect. Yeah. Um Zoe Deschanel replace her um with someone else, maybe even an English actress. I, I, I can't think of someone who would be appropriate. But yeah, Aubrey Plaza, like an Aubrey Pla like Aubrey Plaza would do that immense justice. Yeah. Um and then we'd just change up the sequencing a little bit. And I think from there everything is pretty pretty much gold yeah you got i think you've got a great film there i think you've got you've got a movie that passes meh to like this is a great film yeah but yeah anyway that's how it is i suppose all right so we're going to finish up uh if you're listening to this it means we've put it online somewhere somewhere yeah. somehow how do you do that again uh soundcloud um, so <laughs> yeah I don't know. Maybe we'll have a, a Twitter or something. You yeah, we should. A, I should create a Twitter. You can account. get in. You yeah. can get in touch and tell us what movie we should do. Yeah, that would be good. All right. Well, anyway, my name is Craig Saventi, and I'm you Mike are. Borgfeld. 
And this is us signing off, and we'll catch you next time.